Khalil Rahim at Churchill Boxing Gym in Santa Monica. We're here to watch Regis Prograde train and hear what he has to say. I met this kid just two years ago in New Orleans, sitting on a stoop at the park. He told me his hopes and dreams and plans for the future just two years later. We're standing here and he is on the cusp of making those dreams come true. Let's hear what this kid has to say for himself. Radio Rahim with Regis Pro Gray. We're sitting in Santa Monica and plush surroundings and looking out the window, man. The trees are whistling through green leaves, ocean splashing to our left. And I can't help but remember, it was just over two years ago, I was sitting in New Orleans. Yep. In your gym, it was, uh, I think All-Star Week was why I happened to be there. I was training and they brought this kid over and was like, yo, you have to talk to this guy. This is like the star in our gym. Yeah. You're lucky enough to be here on the day that he's here and sit down and talk to him. And that's how we met. You had 19 fights at the time. And like I said, you were training in New Orleans. Uh, you, your name wasn't like on the tip of anybody's tongue at the time. Mm -hmm. And they promised me that I would be happy I talked to you when I did. Yeah. Today, that is true. Not only has your uh, promoters or PR or friends uh, made good on their promise, but on that day, you talked about a promise that you made to yourself to be in this position that you are today, and you've made good on that. I watched that journey for two years, and I'm happy to have started it on that day. Yeah. Talk to me about your journey from that moment in that gym in New Orleans to being on the cusp of fighting at the O2 Arena in a main event on pay-per-view overseas Regis Progray for all those titles. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it was a long journey. Even the thing is, e so even before that, you know, like I was when I was nineteen. No, I was sixteen. I had sixteen knockouts. I think I was like ranked number three or four in the world or something like that. But even before that, I was fighting on. I fought on Showbox four, five times, four times or something like that. And I, I was destroying all my, you know, all my competition. But of course, the mainstream still didn't know me. And um, for me, it was just always keep focus, keep doing my thing, keep focus. When I was in, in the, I don't live in New Orleans or whatever, but I was out there for All Star Weekend. Of course, that was like partying time. But you saw I was in the gym. I was still out right. there training. I, I always, you know, I always train. And um, funny story, like when I was out there for All Star Weekend, I, I hung with Floyd. Floyd was out there, and so I hung with him. And he was one thing that always stuck with me. He was like, "Who did you beat?" I was like, yeah, I'm 19, no, 16 knockouts. And I had just, I literally had just fought like a week before that. So that's why I was in New Orleans. I fought in Mississippi, and so. He's like, well, who did you fight? Who did you fight? Cause um, and so I was just like, well, I fought 19 people. I knocked out six, 16 of them. He was just <laughs> like, well, who did you know? Same thing. He always say, who did you fight and stuff. So that's kind of you know changed my thought process. Of like, yeah, it is. It is about who did you fight. And so then I, you know, I went on a rampage and and fought everybody they put in front of me and you know and knocked all of them out. And you were coming off, I think, a first round knockout at the time. Yep. That was the Mississippi fight. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that Floyd would say that because boxing fans and especially other fighters mm -hmm. always move the goalposts like yeah. oh you're undefeated you know but, but who did you fight oh, oh you fought him but yeah. how did you win did you knock him out did you hurt him like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always something else you got to do to prove yourself yeah. uh coming on october 26 what is that other thing now what's the goalpost for you now that you feel like requires you to prove yourself on that date I mean, the main thing, go out there and have fun, just like I always do. Go out there and perform, just like I always do. And 
um, you know, winning in dramatic fashion. It's not for me. It's never about winning. It's, it's always about winning in in style, winning in, in 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 good fashion. Because boxing is entertainment. At the end of the day, people pay this to be entertained. They don't pay this to be bored. They pay it to be entertained. So for me, go out there, have fun, be an entertainer, and of course, win and, and take everything. You know, take everything home in front of the you know in front of the the UK fans at the O2 in London. I mean, it's that's my main goal. You know, dream fight. You talk about meeting Floyd, I guess by happenstance, he happened to be there and you got a chance to talk to him. You took something from that. It seems like that is something of a pattern in your Mm -hmm. career, if not in your life, that you encounter these people almost by happenstance. Things weren't planned, but you take something from them and and incorporate that into your own life and your own career and how you use it. Talk to me about some other times when you've encountered legends or fighters on the way up things that you were able to take and incorporate into your own style or your own principle of boxing yeah i mean um you know for people that don't know the story you know i moved when i moved from houston from new orleans because of hurricane katrina i was i went to savannah's boxing gym and i was around all the legends you know holyfield like i said i named holyfield was there the you probably the biggest one juan diaz was three-time world champion rocky juarez raul marquez charlo twins um, Highland Williams, Omar Henry, Vandas Motorosian, Rigandial, um, the list just goes on. You know, you had all these people and, you know, for me, I just I just took that, you know, just just took that work ethic, I guess, in in that belief system in myself and thought like, damn, if they can do it, I definitely can do it. You know, so um yeah, that's that's kind of what I took from it. No, you're not coming to boxing as like uh, an adolescent kid you don't have the story of your dad dragging you down to the gym when you were barely able to walk and all these things a lot of fighters that reach this level mm-hmm. at this age started very very young yeah. so how and when did you decide that boxing was your course why not football why not baseball you're an athletic guy you're you're living in a, a place where all those things are accessible to you yeah. how did boxing become the path you take well, I mean, for, from young, I always was a fighter. I always loved to fight. Like, I did every sport. So, boxing was just, like, something that I just loved to do. Like, I, basketball was kind of, like, my first love. Like, I loved to play, but I never liked to practice basketball. Like, I'd go outside and shoot and dunk, put the goal down and dunk and stuff like that. But I never liked to really train and really practice. Boxing was something that I loved to just train it. Like, I can just still now, I love to just train and, and, and get better. But to answer your question, like, I did everything. Um... Karate was first, and I was real good at karate, but it it wasn't physical enough for me. You know, in karate, you got to pull your hit and you pull your punches, you know, so it just wasn't physical enough for me. Then I played football, I played basketball, I ran track, I swam a little bit and played baseball a little bit too. So I did all those things, and then for me, it was just boxing was something I tried, and it stuck. And I... I didn't. I didn't just start boxing. Just off the. I just. I was fighting with all my friends and stuff on the street in the gloves. Played football, fighting with those. You know, with those dudes in the locker room and stuff. And then it was just natural for me. And then, um, if people don't know the story, I went when I was. I played football in high school. So my first two years, my sophomore and freshman year, I, um, I said yeah, freshman and sophomore year, I played football. So my sophomore year, I went in the one day. I went in the um the classroom during lunchtime. And all the all the football, I just heard like a lot of yelling and stuff, ah, all this type of stuff. So I went, I knocked on the door, and there was like they kind of everybody be quiet and stuff. And then they opened up, they peeked, they they just kind of cracked the door. And then I looked, and there was like what like what you want? I was like, what y'all doing in here? Like they boxing, and it was like you can't come in unless you you getting the gloves. All y'all, and it was like probably six of us or whatever. And so all my friends, they kind of I was like, all right, whatever. Like I went in. 
and um all my friends they kind of got left behind they couldn't go in because they didn't want to get in the gloves or whatever and so um one of my partners at the time they had a dude already in the middle of the floor with some gloves on and so he was looking for somebody to fight him he ain't had nobody everybody was kind of scared and so i was like all right they put me in the gloves i guess like the sacrificial lamb and <laughs> I tore him up. I whooped him in front of everybody. I whooped him bad. And so then that kept, then it was like, damn, he he might have some hands. He might know how to fight a little bit. So then after that, they'll do that like every every Friday or something like that. Every week they'll do it. And I kept going and I kept whooping everybody. Kept winning, kept winning. They'll put somebody else and put somebody else and I kept winning. And so then one day the football coach came in and he saw me. And he like after after lunch was over and stuff, he pulled me to the side. He was like, I like I really think you you don't have a career in football, and you probably need that. You might have a career in boxing. So literally, and then at the time, I just wasn't feeling football no more anyway. I was just it was just something to do basically, and so um, to do after school. And after that, I turned on my football equipment and I just I went to the gym, and that's kind of and it never stopped. You know, that, that story doesn't surprise me because your style of fighting, it, it, it kind of is reminiscent of that type of environment. Yeah. And then you talk about having an experience with Laura and, and, and uh, Rigan Diao mm -hmm. and fighters that are incredibly tactical, Cuban fighters that are known for these kind of uh, approaches to the sport. Mm -hmm. It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I watch you, it's like a combination of something that scientific when we talk Rigan Diao and Lara, and then also something that street, like, yeah. you know, a, a smoker in a yeah, cafeteria yeah, yeah, with football yeah. players. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, cause I, I can do, I have like two different styles, more styles, but two different mindsets, I, I guess if you can say, like I can go in there and I can box and I can be real slick and real defensive and, you know, but then my, what's in me more is just the fight. Just like the like my I like Tyson, you know, Tyson, Duran, Henry Armstrong, that just those pressure fighters and, and like somebody like Chavez too, like so those really, really pressure fighters that just go out there and just, you know, just try to just kill their opponent. And so that's kinda, you know, that's kinda my style too. But at the same time, I know what I have, I know the tools that I have that I, I don't have to get hit. My trainer always tell me all the time, don't get touched, don't get touched because sometimes I, I like going in there and I like to just fight it out. I, I love it sometimes, but he was like, man, you don't, you don't have to get touched. If you don't, if you don't have to, don't get touched. And, you know, so I, I have, uh, you know, different approaches to the ring. You know, even two years ago, we talked about, it was just on the cusp of Floyd, like fading out as a professional fighter for real. It seemed like, okay, well maybe retirement's actually gonna stick this time. Mm -hmm. That Floyd era is done. We thought maybe Pacquiao era was done too. And we talked about what might be next for like fighters that were influenced yeah. by that era. Is everyone gonna be trying to fight defensively, just do enough not to, you know, get hit and hit and win the fight and where you were coming from? Have, then you were like, you know, I respect that, yeah. but I'm all about the aggressive knockout. Yeah, 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 now different. you've had more experience at a higher level. Yeah. Do you still feel the same way? Yeah, of course. I mean, you you know, you can you can still go out there and be defensive and at the same time and try to knock people out. You know, you look at people like Duran, you know, he was a real he was underrated as a defensive fighter, but he was really good at, you know, defense. You look at somebody like Sugar Ray Leonard which was, you know, he barely got touched either, but at the same time, he was very, very exciting, you know? So, um, yeah, you can, I still feel the same way, you know? I definitely don't take nothing away against Floyd, you know? He was, he did it when he was, you know, way older and stuff like that. So, 
maybe I I, I be like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. later in my You're career. still pretty boy Floyd yeah, phase, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm still, you know, I, I still got a long way to go to, you know, catch up to Floyd. But, you know, for me right now, you know, I like the you know, it, you can be defensive and you can you can try to kill him at the same time. Right, and that's what I mean by Pretty Boy Floyd. At that era, he was boxing the way you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. At 140 pounds, it's interesting uh, your timing because right now no one is defining that division. There's no king at 140, mm -hmm. no guy who's the boogeyman. Yeah. And we all know this is a business. And like you said, it's also entertainment. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, there's an opening there yeah. for somebody to be king, somebody to own it, not just in titles and in uh, wins, Mm -hmm. but economically exactly so uh, talk to me about what you feel like your path is now that this tournament has happened mm -hmm. it's made everything a bottleneck we've kind of you know now gotten down to the two guys who are the finalists in the tournament you and josh taylor obviously mm -hmm. is this fight a win all you need to claim that crown in that division yeah i think so i definitely think so. i mean this is one and two this is number one versus number two in the world so i definitely think that you know the winner out of this fight is definitely you know the king of 140 you know you still got like i said you still got ramirez out there but he's not on the level of me or josh, even josh taylor right now so i think that you know the the winner of this fight which is me is definitely <laughs> going to be crowned the king of 140. You know, no, it, it should be no doubt in nobody's mind that the best at 140 is the winner of this tournament. Now, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who wants to wear the black hat into the ring. By that, I mean a villain. You're not a big trash talker. You're not foul mouth. You're Some not people say I am, though. Some people say I am. Some people don't like it. I mean, I just be me. You know, um, it, it depends. It sometimes depends on the day, my mood, and all that stuff. But nah, I'm not. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a trash talker, you know, but I'm confident in myself. I don't think that I'm going to lose. I never think that I'm going to lose or whatever. So, But some people think maybe I'm a trash talker, a villain. I don't know. It depends. Well, right after the Josh Kelly fight in Scotland, you climb in the ring. And, of course, you know, we always have that uh, set-upon moment where yeah. the two fighters are, well, this is what's going to be next. Mm -hmm. And they booed you. And it seemed to hurt your feelings a little bit. Like, hey, you guys are like, you guys well, booing me. For me. I bring the fight back <laughs> over here. And... It happened, and now the fight is is actually back in the UK. Now, of course, it's not back in Scotland, but the fight is is back over there, you know. And I'm, but I'm it, the thing is about the boxing fans, and sometimes like my even my my friends and my family, they can't get with it. It's what we say the the younger generation is all cap. It means that it's not it's not real, you know, because the people that was booing me and stuff and all that. I went back to the hotel, and it was a dude. He was on the elevator. He talked to us for about. 20 minutes and he he was like come on come hang with me and all this he was like yeah when i saw you in the ring i booed you but we was just saying that but i wanna but let's go out let's do this and with his wife and all that stuff so all that's for me is like all cap people say all that stuff and then they get in front of your face and they just they really just a fan of you same thing in fresno we went over there and we thinking it's about to be you know we about to be rumbling these people want to take pictures with me and they want to go out with me and all that type of stuff so for me none of that stuff i don't i don't pay attention to none of that stuff that is exactly what the uk environment is like mm -hmm. uh having covered fights all over the world those people are the most invested yeah. in every fight on the card from the very first bell that rings they're in their seats and mm -hmm. ready to cheer you're gonna be not in scotland but you will be in his backyard in the uk expect thunderous booze on the night yes yeah, cool. but how much of an importance is it to you 
to be a likable guy, a fan favorite. Like when the fight's over, especially if you win, they'll give you a respect. Yeah. Is that part of like Regis Progray's personality that, hey, yeah, I want to be liked. I want to be the guy that yeah, you talk you, to well, for 20 yeah, minutes in the elevator. You know, you, you, you want to be that type of person. You know, people come up to me all the time and, you know, they meet me and they think that I'm more than what I am when they see me, you know, because it's always, um, it's always like a difference when you see somebody on camera and you we see somebody in person. It's always like a difference or whatever. So I think that, yeah, after after the fight, and that's that's kind of why I'm glad that it is in the UK because they all heavily, they're very, very heavily um, over there on boxing. They're real heavy on boxing over there. So after the fight, you know, I think that I, I can take all the fans, you know, and then that, that'll be fans, you know, that'll be fans for life. And, you know, I think, I definitely think they'll like me. And I, I mean, I'm cool with everybody. And as long as you, you don't say nothing disrespectful to me in my face, I'm cool with you, you know, because people say all kinds of stuff on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. But like I said, that's all, all cap. Like I said, when they get in front of your face, they be real cool and it's smooth for me. We talk a lot about the, where fighters are from and their backstory. And it's always interesting to find out what created the mentality of the guy that's in the ring that you're watching. Mm -hmm. Regionally, there are always cultural influences when it comes to people's style, their approach to the sport, how they treat their opponent. Uh, nothing could be more true than in the UK. Mm -hmm. New Orleans has its own thing. Houston's got its thing. Yeah. Con converse the two styles that we expect to see on October 26th. Josh Kelly is Josh is Taylor. Josh Taylor mm -hmm. is bringing his own style from where he comes. You, I feel like, are bringing a street element to it. The kind of precision you learned in Houston mm -hmm. match those two styles up for me, and where the two cultures clash on the twenty sixth. I mean, I think it's I think it's gonna be a hell of a fight. To be honest, um, you know, he does. He has that style. He has a you know typical for me a typical European style. He, he's you know he likes to box. He moves his feet. He has good you know he has good um ring movement and stuff like that. But mine is. I think mine is more savage, more dirtier, and not saying I'm a dirty fighter, but it's just more dirty, it's more grimy, and you know. And, but at the same time, I can do something different, you know. So, I mean, as far as that, that style goes, I mean, that's why this is such a big fight because you know it's gonna be fireworks. So, everyone says, well, not everyone, but most people are like, oh, I'm a student of the sport, I, I'm a, I'm a sweet scientist, but I know this is true of you personally, mm -hmm. the way that you consume the sport is not just watching other fights or ringside sitting on fight night. Mm -hmm. How is it that you digest this sport of boxing and what makes you a student of the sport? I mean, for me, going back to my favorite fighter was was like Mike Tyson, you know. I was, I was watching TV one night when I was like 13 or 14 and, you know, it was, it was his it was classic and it was all his knockouts and I was like, I wanna be like him one day. Little bitty short dude just knocking out giants and I was like, I wanna be like him. So then I started I started learning more about Mike Tyson. I was just obsessed with like learning about him because he was it wasn't he was winning and that's the same thing. I don't I don't wanna win. I wanna dominate from the opening bell. And he wasn't just winning, he was dominating. And um I just learned more about him and come to find out he was like that because of his knowledge too. Cause the motto he he made him he just made him he he trained he ate he slept and he studied or he watched boxing studied we had watched boxing and stuff like that or he read about it and so that's the same thing about me like after i found that out you know i started reading books about cuss i started reading books about um you know even floyd like floyd patterson and all his the fighters he trained and then of course about mike tyson and i just was like i want to i want to do the same thing so i just started learning more and more and more about boxing and so now like i have 
like over, I have a bookshelf in my house and all, I read every book on the bookshelf. Like it's a whole bookshelf and I read literally every book on the bookshelf. And um, I'm proud to say that, you know, because I am. And it's just something that I just, like, I don't know. I don't even know why now that I do it. I just still love to do it. Like I, when I first started, I was reading about like six hours a day when I was like, a, I was a trainer at LA Fitness for six years. So um, when I have a break or something, I just read and then I go home and read and I didn't have all the stuff I have now. So all that, I went home and it was just a book. That's all I had. And so I just want to keep learning and learning. And But now, you know, of course, I got kids and all that type of stuff and family at my house. So I don't I can't I don't have six hours in a book to invest in a book no more. But I still try to read at least like, you know, like two hours a day. Um, but that's just something that, like I said, something that I love to do. And just just to learn about the old school fighters, you know, just just to know things about like Henry Armstrong and Joe Gans and what they had to go through, you know, um, and it just if they had to go through that, it make me way strong because I have it way better, you know, especially, you know, um, like a lot of the black fighters back in the day, they, the white fighters used to draw the color line on them. They used to call it the color line. They didn't fight them because they was black. So um, just to know, you know, we have that and to know what they went through. Um, it just for me, it just makes my mind just way, way stronger going into the ring. We sat together, like I mentioned at the top of this interview, for about two years ago, mm-hmm. and you told me where you were going to be mm-hmm. two years from then, uh, where you envision yourself at getting these opportunities. And here we sit. You yeah. made it happen. You're not mm-hmm. training other people at LA Fitness or where, where, no, 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 <laughs> uh, anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you got kids now, and they're coming mm-hmm. of age, and now you're fighting in the main event at the O2 Arena. So let's look two years from today. Mm-hmm. Where is Regis Progre sitting? Where are we having that interview? What are we talking about then? It's going to be pound for pound. You know, pound for pound, number one in the world. You know, the thing is, like, about my goals and stuff, I I can't put a cap on my goal because I never thought I'd be here. Well, I I thought that I'd be a world champion. Don't get me wrong. But to to have all the other stuff around me and it's just, I, I can't even, like, sit and dwell on it because you can't even, like, I don't know, you can't get excited about it. You still gotta keep working and working and working. You know, my daddy always tell me, you know, everything will fall into place. Just keep working, keep getting better, stay in the gym, that's it. And for me, you know, that's what I do. Just keep working um, because I can say, you know, I'll be, what I, I might say, yeah, I'll be a, a unified champion. Or I'll be a champion at 147 and then two years might come and I might be undisputed at 147. You know, my goals always exceed. So I can't even, it's, for me, it's, it's no goal. It's no one goal. It's always just keep getting better. As long as I stay in the gym and keep getting better, more and more things are going to keep happening. Like now I'm in, Peter's my manager, so now I'm in movies and all that stuff now too. So like I said, in two years, I don't know where I would be at. You know, I know I'll be higher than where I am right now, of course. But I mean, I can't even, I can't even know. I don't even know where I'm gonna be at because my goal is just keep changing, changing, changing. And my, you might talk to me tomorrow and say, "Well, your, what's your goals?" And they might change. But my thing is, as far as boxing wise, stay in the gym, keep getting better. Everything will fall into place. I noticed you said 140 and not, I mean 147, mm-hmm. not 140. You're already looking to level up uh, weight-wise. Is, how soon do you think you're going to make that jump to 47? Um. Well, for me, I, I'm thinking 
if you get all the belts, there's no, it's no reason to stay. I feel like if, if I get all the belts, you know, hopefully it, boxing, in a perfect world, I get, I'll fight Josh Taylor, and then after that, I'll fight Ramirez, or maybe a fight before that, and then fight Ramirez in a perfect boxing world. Boxing is definitely not perfect. We know that. So, um, I mean, after after I get a few belts, then yeah, it'll be it'll be jump up to 147. But my goal always remain the same is to be undisputed at 140, to get all the belts at 140, and then I'll make that move to 147. But somebody asked me yesterday, well, what if they wait now? And what if you get a bigger offer at 147 before you try to get the crack at you know all the belts? Then that'll be a, a um, that'll be a conversation. That'll be a business decision. I'll have to you know ask my manager about and stuff and and see because. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, we want the belts at all the belts at 140, but I'm not gonna wait around. You know, I'm not gonna wait around. If people holding loud and all that, like I said, boxing is a, you know, in a perfect world, boxing is definitely not perfect. So, um, if if they offer me something at 147 bigger, then we don't know. We'll see. There's some deep water at 147. Uh, if we're talking about the division, I gotta get your opinion. Mm-hmm. Who is king at 47? Is, is there one guy to you that stands it's between, a, above it's the between, rest? It's between Errol and Crawford. You know, that's the. But I, I lean more towards Errol. Um, mm-hmm. I just I lean more towards him. I, I think that Crawford skill wise is better than Errol, but. Arrow's just big and strong, and you know, and it is hard to hit. It is definitely hard to hit Crawford with flush punches, but sometimes he does get hit by flush punches. And um, if he gets hit by Arrow, I don't know what happened to him. But I, I lean. I think those are the two names at 147. Um, you like I said, you got other people and stuff, but right now that's the two names at 147. But I lean more towards Arrow. I, I still just lean more towards Arrow just because of the, um. I want to say the yeah maybe the size difference and um in in just the power I think I lean more towards towards Arrow but I think they ha- they both have styles that'll give each other fits I think that mm-hmm. I think Crawford has the style to give Arrow fits because of his movement and his feints and how good he is technical wise and he he's a switch hitter I think he has a style to give Arrow fits but I also think. Arrow has the style to give Crawford fits, you know, because he is so big and he he will take those punches, and you know he he is a real good body puncher. So, um, I, that's a fight that you know I definitely want to see. But I lean. I don't think it's a king, but I lean more towards Arrow. But it's not it's not a king at one forty seven right now because Arrow still got a tough fight with Sean Porter. I think he's gonna win, but it's still gonna be a tough fight. Um, so I lean more towards error right now is being the best, not the king, just being slightly the best at 147. Well, lastly, a guy who just took a shot at the king, if you will, was Mikey Garcia, who may campaign at 47, but probably won't, is likely to come down to 40, which is your backyard. Yeah. If you win this fight on the 26th, that could be a hell of a matchup. It really could. How would you see that going? I mean, of course, I don't think I'll lose a fight at all. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean... That that'll be a hell of a fight. I think that'll be a real, a real, real good fight. Me and him actually hung out and stuff a few times. A real cool dude, but um, I, I always thought that you know me and him is we're gonna fight. I think we're gonna fight one day, especially if it's 140, 147 or something like that. That's like a. I think that'll be a fight that you know the fans will definitely want to see. How do you rate his style? Like match it, match it up against yours. Technically, how you, what you do in there. <sighs> I go have fun. You know, I say I do me. All I do is I go out there and do me. It's no such thing as what I'm going to do. I just go out there and I have fun. I'm going to go do me. Um, yeah, I just, I think that he's he's technically, he's he's very sound, you know, keeps his hands up. He throws, you know, the right punches at the right time. I don't, 
I don't I just don't see him as being like a special special fighter. I just think he's very good at the basic skills. He's very, you know, he does he does everything right at the right time, I think. Um but I feel like I'm yeah, I do I definitely do feel like I'm different. I feel like I'm a different type of fighter um just because I I can do all those things and more. I can bring, you know, I'm my my style is like a gumbo basically. I I I put all this yeah. do, 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 and mix it up and then you got me yes sir one thing that makes you different is you say what you're gonna do and you do what you say and not every fighter can pull that off as bad as they want to you've shown the skill you've shown the 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 absolute dedication to your sport and your craft and here we sit two years later being exactly where you wanted to be two years ago mm -hmm. so it's a pleasure to see you have made that progress Regis Progray you're fighting uh, Josh Taylor in in uh, the O2 Arena in London, overseas, big spotlight for you. Congratulations on getting that opportunity. We can't wait to see you perform on that night. Radio Raheem with Regis, Louisiana Gumbo Progray. <laughs>